0: Welcome to Sports KC, the Kansas City Stars' daily sports podcast. It's Friday, May 29th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Hey, let's finish the week with some Chiefs. Today you're going to hear from the team's first-round draft pick, running back Clyde edwards helaire and veteran offensive tackle Mitchell Schwartz. Edwards-Alaire tells us what he's doing to pick up the offense while remaining home in Louisiana, and toward the end he reveals some of his non-football passions. It's pretty interesting stuff. And speaking of non-football passions, we know Schwartz loves to cook. He shares what he's been up to in the kitchen and has a thoughtful response when asked about the prospect of the NFL starting on time this season. So here we go with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, followed by Mitchell Schwartz
1: uh Thanks for the time. We appreciate it. And kind of welcome to Kansas City, right, uh, with, with everything that's going on. Uh, one of the things that uh, obviously is very big for a running back getting on the field in the NFL is the ability to pass block, right? Know your assignments and then handle that. You can't get your quarterback killed uh, if you're going to be in there. How uh, you know how much is that a priority uh, for you to be ready to, to work on and, and to know your assignments, but also how difficult is it the fact that everything is, is virtual and you're not actually able to get your hands on and, and work the techniques that they want you to use?
2: Well, you know, pretty much for me, uh, you know, it was, it was the same things in college, um, you know, the, the, the pass pro aspect. And it's something that I worked on every day with, with Kevin Falk and my, and my previous running back coach, uh, Tommy Robinson. So being able to work pass pro is something that, you know, I picked up the skill from, uh, we'll learn techniques from Tommy Robinson and K. Falk and I'm still able to to do work where I'm at. So uh, that's technique wise, not being able to do it live uh, against um, against actual opponents is, you know, not, not at this moment. You know, it's not beneficial, but I'm still able to work the techniques. Uh, football is being able to use your body and able to, to work the techniques that, that you, you know, you're able to do in order to get the job done. Go
3: to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie.
4: Hey, Clyde. Uh, how you doing, man? I hope you're well. Doing good. Hey, um, I remember at the Combine, you had mentioned that when you were growing up, you spent a lot of time watching film on Kevin Falk as well as Marshall Falk. But I'm curious, since this guy is local to Kansas City, how much time did you spend watching Darren Sproles? And how much, if you did spend time watching him, how much do you see of his game in your game?
2: Well, um, you know, I was I was introduced to to Dan later on uh, in my in my football career, so I really didn't start watching him until till I think I was, you know, later on in middle school and that's when he kind of, you know, pretty much took everything by storm and uh, you know, I was able to to, you know, as, implement everything that I was watching from not just only him, but still watching Kevin Fox film, still watching Marshall Fox film, still watching Barry Sanders film, I had old cassette Barry Sanders tape. So I mean I was I was watching all these guys that, you know, that I felt like was, was similar to the way that I felt like I would I was running at the time. And, you know, everything just kinda came into play. But Darren Darren is, is someone, you know, I'm 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 close to him now, have his have his personal cell phone number. I text him every uh, you know, every now and again and he said I was, you know, so as soon as I was drafted I got a text from him and he was like you my hometown and, you know, be ready. If I need anything, just let them
5: know.
3: All right. Let's go to Len Jennings. Go ahead, Len.
5: Uh, Claude, good morning. Thanks for uh, doing this. Uh, special teams coach Dave Tubb last week
6: mentioned how everyone kind of gets thrown into the special teams mix. Though so He was unclear on your tackling ability. Uh, how would you grade your tackling ability as it's going to be put to the test and uh, kind of a follow-up uh, what part of your game do you feel like you need to be working on? Uh, Once you guys
1: are able to get to to practicing on the field?
2: Well, you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm a football player and uh, I started my career playing defense. So um, I haven't, wasn't always on the offensive side of the ball. So as far as me being a tackler, it's no concern. I was always on, uh, you know, safe defenses as far as in high school. um, Every time I needed to make a tackle, a tackle was made. And, you know, I was, Able to to do special teams as far as in college, and did did do it um, as far as n- never did it in the game because you know I, I didn't didn't have to do it in the game. But as far as me covering kicks and everything at um, at LSU, that was something that I did um, every year. So uh, my my tackling ability is something that I'm not concerned about.
0: Let's go to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hi Clyde, uh, thank you
7: for spending some time with us. I was curious, yes, who- sir. We talked to Dylan McCullough yesterday and we asked him about what he likes in your game and he mentioned the fact that short area quickness is a strength for you, uh, ability to make guys miss. Why do you think that elusiveness seems to, at least on, on your film, come so naturally to you?
2: You know, honestly, I couldn't, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you It's something that's, that's, that I was born with or something and then. You know, ever since I felt like that was a gift that I had is you always try to find things to to make it better or work on it or, or find ways, you know, to to make it, you know, elite as far as, you know, Some some guys would say. So um, I just wanted to work on it, make it being quicker and faster than the next person is always it's kind of the name of the game. And it's what I is what I made my game being being quick and, and fast and, and small areas is the way I get open. It's the way it's the way I run the ball is it's. it's you know, just the way I ended up at the Kansas City Chiefs.
3: Let's go to Harold Coons. Go ahead, Harold.
4: Hey, Clyde. Hope you're uh, doing well down there, man. Uh, my question to you is about the running back group. Uh, what are you kind of t- taken from and all the lessons learned from the other running backs so far with your virtual meetings with them? And then knowing that it's, it's a very loaded group with a bunch of guys, what kind of experience did they uh, share with you knowing that you're a new guy coming in, but also knowing that, you know, it's going to be a big competition between all you guys?
2: I mean, you know, it's it's just like I'm in the same position I was three years ago. I was going into a college football room where, you know, Leonard was. Leonard had just left, and I was in a room with Darius, guys, Darrell Williams, uh, who's actually in my, you know, in the room now, and Nick Brosette. Uh, I had Lenora front it. I had guys, you know, I was going into a, a stacked room again, and ultimately, I went in to learn. That's the that's the biggest thing. If you can, if you can learn from guys who've who've experienced. You know, experience the things that 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 you are about to encounter. You can you can only you know benefit from it. So, I'm um, I'm the young guy in the room. I'm I'm 21 years old. You know, and and right now I'm learning. Um, I'm a rookie, so that's you know I'm standing in my place and I'm, I'm doing what I need to do.
3: Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate.
6: Hey, Clyde, um, I have a two part question for you, and uh, thanks for doing this with us this morning. Um, my first part is, you know, when we talked to you on draft night, obviously you explained some of your excitement and talked with the chiefs before the draft and sort of understanding that you were what you believe was a perfect fit within the office of structure. Um, now going through these virtual programs, just how much have you seen the playbook that sort of uh, builds on that thought process and what's it been like to you, for you to really learn um, what the chiefs do based on what the installs have been so far. And then secondly, Because of your coach at LSU, Kevin Falk, he was a member of the Patriots, the last team that went back-to-back in terms of champions. Uh, Just how much have you talked to him about what his experience was like with the Patriots and where your role might fit with the team trying to accomplish what they did back in 2004?
2: Well, you know, I completely stand on, you know, what I said, draft night as far as Kansas City being a perfect fit. We, you know, I was able to see, see things at the combine as far as me understanding what they do as offense. I mean, I was able to see it at the comeback. And and they I mean, Coach Reed and, and Coach E B literally explained every this is what we run. And you know, and I'm I'm still standing strong on it, going through the offense and, and picking up the offense and learning everything is pretty much exactly what I, you know, what what I was told it would be. And that's I mean, it's he, they didn't lie about anything, they hit the nail on the head and it's, it's it's done. And then, you know, as far as Cape Falk and I've been knowing K Falk for for a long time. So as far as I mean, we didn't have we didn't have conversations about any any and everything, and and you know, it, him talking about the Patriots, and sometimes he'll go into a spiel, and then you know, once 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 you can get a guy like that who, who's been through so much, you know, who can sit down and talk to you and vent to you, just like you know, just, just like the next guy. We sit, you know, you know mano a mano, and, and we just talk. You know, I, I get to I get to learn a lot of things, and I pick up a lot of things from from a wise person who who has many rings to, uh, you know, to, to say it. So, you know, only experiences and I'm just taking it all in.
0: All right, guys, we've got time for a few more. So let's go Siren, Sam, and then Mick to close out. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Clyde, uh, Andy Reid
1: versus Ed Orgeron, right? Very different uh, kind of guys, uh, kind of two parts. One, uh, I know the accent probably is easier for you to make your way through than those of us up here in Kansas city when it comes to, to Coach O, but how often did you actually just kind of nod your head and have no idea what he was really saying, especially when he gets all fired up and gets going? Because we, I think everybody in college football has a lot of fun just listening to him, but they're not always sure what he said. And then just kind of compare and contrast Ed Ed Orgeron and 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 the little bit of time you've had around Andy Reid. So I mean, most I mean I can I understand Coach O and and always
2: did understand that this you know something about it is is different and and something about us down here is a little different about how we hear things so you know I was I was able to understand everything um, and you know just it's it's hard really to, to compare and contrast I really you know the the 15 minutes that I that was I was able to sit next to you know coach Reed and in in my combine meeting you know you still can't get a temperament on a person but as far as right now I mean you know coach O is the it's the punch yourself in the face type of guy. And, and Coach Reed, you know, he can, from the videos and everything that I've seen, um, he can get fired up and he can make some things happen. And, and that's what I love about a coach. And he's, he's completely genuine. So, right now, that's, I mean, that's, that's all I have for you.
3: All right. Let's go to Sam. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Clyde. What's up, man? um it seems like one of the most difficult things for rookie in general would would be getting a grasp of of an NFL offense but obviously doing it through zoom is is a whole nother challenge can you just sort of grade the complications of of what you're learning offensively because it's it's known obviously as one of the more complicated offenses in the league and and how much do you think your your time at LSU and being with those good offensive minds there has has kind of prepared you for it
2: honestly um You know, I just I just give props to kind of to, to my football foundation. Um, you know, in little league, you know, I, I was I played with my little league team, and we actually learned football. And then ultimately in high school, I went to Catholic high, and it was I had to learn things. You know, I had to learn defensive fronts. I had to learn you know everything about a defense as far as what I played on offense. So getting to college, it was it was even easier. And 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 seeing the offense that you know that everybody runs. You know, as far as picking everything up in the playbook, uh, the general understanding of the offense is is coming easy, but as far as, you know, specifics, that's that's the NFL playbook, being specific to each team, uh, the things that they want. And and that's all that's that's pretty much the gist of it. So when you can get that whole playbook and, and the little specific details down, then you have everything. But for the most part it's it's about setting a foundation and understanding what football is.
3: Let's go to Mick Schaefer for our last one. Go ahead, Mick. Hey Clyde, so I'm just wondering how you're uh, how you're passing the time. I know you're a big hunter and I know you love to restore cars. I'm wondering if you scored any uh, big game recently down there. I don't know what the seasons are down there in Louisiana. I don't know what the seasons are in Kansas City. Um, yes, uh, what's uh what, what what car maybe are you working on right now?
2: So uh, you know, currently currently I'm not I'm not hunting anything. I have my I have my horse, I haven't been riding though. It's been it's been raining a lot. Uh it's muddy a lot. I, you know, once it once it rains, we we're kinda of below sea level. So once it rains, you know, it, it it floods a little bit. So pretty much I mean I've been I've been inside, I've been staying in and, and right now, currently, um in the process of helping my, my brother restore his his seventy eight Monte Carlo. Um and I'm just getting all my cars ceramic coating and whatnot and getting, getting everything done up under the carriage because you know kansas city they put salt salt on the road so i can't have my i can't have any of my cars or anything rusting rusting from the bottom up you know heading up heading up north so that's pretty much it
0: hey it's blair we have a special subscription offer for sports beat kc listeners unlimited digital access to the kansas city stars award-winning sports coverage Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
1: Mitch, you're a veteran who knows what it takes and to get ready for a season. And I was just wondering whether you feel like you're getting what you need in this offseason rather than being in a,
4: a regular OTAs, a regular offseason conditioning program.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think for me or guys like me, you get most of it. Um, you know, right now, we, I guess we'd be into our true OTA practices, and so you'd be on the field, you'd be you know, doing football movements, a lot of change of direction. You know, I think that's kind of the worry. Um, you know, when we work out at home, it gets kind of boring after a while. So you tend to just kind of do your running, get it over with. You don't necessarily do all that change of direction, the movement stuff. So making sure you're uh, staying up on that is always huge. Um, in terms of the mental side, I mean, like you said, it's um, – You know, I mean, Coach Reed, it's his offense. And so uh, there's always tweaks and new stuff. And the the hard part there is not being able to kind of walk through it and practice through it. Um, You know, guys learn in a lot of different ways. And so, um, you know, some guys can kind of just watch film or or look at the kind of the install and get the grasp of it. But it usually takes, you know, a few times of moving through it, seeing how it fits, you know, how your body kind of reacts to the play. And that's the thing that you're missing that, you know, is not really – um, replaceable in, in terms of working at it on your own at home. Let's go to Breland Moore. Go ahead, Breland.
3: Hi, good morning. So I
6: know it's a weird time for everybody living in this weird social distancing era, but you have actually managed to stay pretty connected with fans through a lot of your recipe sharing and, and social media. How fun has that been for you to kind of have that outlet to, to share and connect with Cheese Kingdom still?
5: Yeah, that part has been awesome. You know, I uh, I always like to cook. You know, this time of year we, we do a fair amount of traveling, so I'm not able to do that quite as much. But you know, I made some dishes and just kind of threw together, you know, a six or seven picture thing on Instagram. Just said like, hey, here's what I've been cooking lately, and uh, people really liked it. So I figured I just kind of the next day threw up another food thing, and you know, people still uh, really liked it, and just kind of grown from there. Um, like you said, I mean, I think the. The thing that people are struggling with is not seeing, you know, coworkers, friends, not having interactions. So you're kind of uh, relying more heavily on the social media side of it. And so being able to do that, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I actually have time to post stuff and respond to people and um, you know react. You know, typically in a normal kind of environment or workday, I'd be on the go and so you kind of just post something, leave it, and check back later to see if it was successful or not. Uh, but now you can actually you know see the people commenting and especially food stuff. You know, some people have particularly strong opinions about what you're making, but uh, for the most part, they're kind of like, hey, that's awesome. i like to do this, or have you tried this? And, um, you know, I'm always looking for a better, you know, spice or recipe, and, um, you know, that's that's definitely been fun and rewarding. Let's go to Pete
0: Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete.
7: Hey, Mitch. Thanks for spending some time with us. I had uh, one question on the field and then one off, similar to what Breland was getting to. On the field, I was wondering... When you're an offensive lineman, and Andy Reid's always talking about building on top of the program, I just wondered what types of little wrinkles you can add in in year five that maybe you couldn't have done in in year one or year two. And then on the cooking side of things, I was wondering what the quarantine has done for your level of cooking, because it feels like you've really become almost elite off the field of cooking through this quarantine. So uh, again, on the field enough, please.
5: Yeah, I'd say on the field, I mean, just like him building an offense, you know, it's not the same iteration every year. You're always looking to improve on something. I mean, if you're talking, you know, pure technique and fundamentals, I mean, no one's perfect. And so you're always looking to, you know, kind of hone in on things. I mean, uh, from the, the tackle's perspective, you know, there's a lot of different angles and a lot of different, you know, types of pass sets and play actions and, uh, you know, just different launch points and, and things of that nature. So you always, more comfortable in one than the other and I think you're, you're always trying to kind of raise that weakest part of your game up and that's something that's you know really important to uh kind of self-scout and you know it's something that really any you know staff would do whether it's offense defense special teams I mean you look at what's been successful you want to keep doing that you look at what's been the weakest and you you know want to improve that the most or just say hey this doesn't work for me I'm going to try something else and so that's something that you're constantly evolving and then also I'm making sure that fits within the offense because, you know, on any particular play, if the quarterback's thinking this or, you know, we're doing this and and that, uh, I have to be in track with that. I mean, if I take a certain type of pass that doesn't necessarily mesh with how deep Pat is or where he's supposed to be, you know, I might technically be successful, but the the play itself is going to not be successful because I'm not in the right position for him. So it's all that, you know, all the time. It's just a a constant evolution. Um, And then in terms of, you know, off the field. Um, I don't know. I think I'm definitely trying different stuff than than I would. I think that's kind of been the the fun part is having all this time and being able to really plan out recipes and, uh, try different things. I think, you know, in terms of the the food side, I'm not professionally trained or anything. And so I, I do rely, you know, a fair bit on watching videos, learning about it. Um, I think the acid thing is what I'm not that good at, you know, typically, the, these pro chefs or they're balancing all the flavors you know the right sweet and savory and acidic and uh, that's something I'm trying to get better at you know I don't really think about the acid component too much but that usually is you know whether it's the squirt of lemon at the end or you know adding something to it um, for those that know Thomas Keller uh, he's a chef I'd watch his little master class thing but he likes to say that the acid like raises the the dish and so um, you know it's kind of like adding salt you know kind of enhances everything else in the dish and so understanding and kind of how to make things more well rounded then you know, here's oil here's garlic here's salt and pepper and here's protein and let's just cook it and make it happen uh definitely trying to you know do more well-rounded things
3: let's go to Herbie. go ahead Herbie.
4: and hey, mitch i hope you're well I hope you and your family are well I realize you haven't been on the field yet with uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but when you have a shifty running back like that behind you and elusive kind of guy, what are some of the things that you always have to keep in mind as a blocker uh, when when you're blocking for a guy who has the skill set as as he does?
5: Yeah, I mean, you just kind of want to get the smallest you know opening you can, and you kind of just trust him to do the rest. Uh, you know, I think a guy like that actually, I mean, from our perspective, you know, we don't really change what we're doing. I mean the you know, kind of premium is on moving the line of scrimmage. You know, any run game, you know, as far as a running back can get into the line of scrimmage um, is going to be the most beneficial. You know, it's going to uh, pull the linebackers onto the O-line. You know, if you think about a running back, you know, if there's penetration and he's making a cut, you know, three yards in the backfield, just the timing of the play, you know, maybe the center who's climbing up to the linebacker, he's probably not going to be there yet. You know, the linebacker is going to jump behind, you know, based on the cutback early and the center can't get there. Now the play is, you know, completely dead. Whereas if, you know, we have a yard or two of movement on the line of scrimmage, you know, the running back can get right back behind there. The linebacker is kind of frozen. He's stuck. He doesn't know what to do. And that brings a linebacker to us. And so and that's always the premium that, you know, we're thinking about. Um, and, you know, when you look at, you know, Dylan and EB and the way they coach running backs, I mean, they coach them very hard. And that's because it's all interconnected. Um, you know, when you got a running back, who kind of freelances and um, does his own things. Uh, things don't mesh too well. So it's a, a really good harmony. And, you know, it is nice to know that worst case scenario, someone gets cut loose, he throws that devastating spin move at him and jukes him out of their shoes and uh, maybe he can make us look good.
3: Let's go to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. Hey, Mitch, I saw that you're recently named the most underrated uh, player on the Chiefs. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> like the most offensive line award ever, or maybe it's not because you g- get that attention. I'm just wondering what, what it's been like for you when in the Super Bowl, your play the last couple of years, you've always been a, been a guy that's been in the shadows, but now you're getting more attention, whether it's your play on the field, whether it's the cooking, whether it's you know the, the palms. Um, do, do you welcome all that uh, all, all the extra attention?
5: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely good to be, you know, highlighted and showcased. I think you tend to go from underrated list to overrated list pretty quickly in this business. So uh, you, you can only have a limit on how many underrated lists you're on before, uh, you know, the narrative flips pretty quick. But uh, no, it's good. I mean, you know, you, you definitely want to get you know rewarded for what you do. That's why, you know, guys... I mean, not to quote unquote chase money, but, you know, typically that's the only way you're really defined in the league in terms of your value is how much you make. And so, you know, that's why guys are always striving for, you know, top dollar. Cause they want to say like, Hey, I'm valued at this spot relative to the, my peers and my position. And you always want to be the best and you always want to be you know compensated the highest. And that's a huge part of, I guess, the psyche of you know contracts that I think maybe the outside world doesn't understand quite as much. Um, <clears throat> because there's nothing else to, you know, figure out, you know, how the league views you, how your team views you. Um, so yeah, it's awesome, you know, to get credit for stuff. Um, you know, it's a definitely a good thing. Like I said, there's probably going to be an oversaturation at some point, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really, it's never impacted me. You know, when it's been negative, it's not going to be, you know, any different really positive. Um, so I'm just going to keep, you know, doing my thing and, you know, hopefully people uh, are liking the way I'm playing and, as long as my wife likes my cooking, I'm, I'm good from that perspective. <laughs>
3: uh, let's go to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin.
1: Uh, Mitch, thank you for the time. Um, on the business side of things, since you brought up money, right, um, DeMarie Smith uh, was, was asked a question about uh, the likelihood of the season. And he said on, he was given a scale, 1 to 10, 10 being the most likely that it happens. And he said it's a 6 or 7. Uh, that that's probably been the, the first time we've heard anyone around the NFL say that maybe the season's in jeopardy. Everyone else has talked about it being uh, full speed ahead. I'm, I'm just curious, one, what's your thoughts? How, how apprehensive are you about no fans or, or potentially a loss of games? Uh, and then have there started to be any conversations uh, amongst the players association? We hear all the back and forth, particularly in baseball. Are there any conversations going on uh, with the players association that you're aware of, or that you've
5: been a part of? Uh, none that I've been a part of. I'm sure, you know, at the high level, they're doing all that with, you know, Treader and D and all the the team reps. Um, you know, we have had the benefit of time. I mean, we're still two months away from, you know, when training camp would start. So we've been particularly fortunate as a league to kind of get hit with this at the the right time. And also, obviously, selfishly, you know, a month earlier and no Super Bowl. So, um, you know, it's kind of just worked out timing perspective all the way around. Yeah, I mean, it seemed realistic what he said i mean he's not trying to be a total optimist it wasn't doom and gloom you know my inclination from the get-go was that they're going to find a way to make it happen um there's i mean there's so much money involved from all sides and um you know that was something that when they're talking about i guess free agency was the first thing you know post-covid and there were some people saying oh they shouldn't do it and you know the optics and all that and of course, it was a massive success because people love the NFL, they want the content. It's it's That's one of the most fun, you know, particular days of the year where teams are getting influxes of new talent. Um, you know, the draft went through and the ratings were up, you know, 30, 35 percent across the board. And so those kind of two events kind of strengthened my view that there's just a lot at stake, um, you know, mostly money. And um, that's just the reality of it. But from all sides, I mean, we obviously want to play. This is what we do. It's, it's fun for us. You know, we miss playing. We miss hanging out with our buddies. You know, we miss the competition. You know, it's just beneficial from from all sides to come together and find a solution. And I just thought, you know, with how much was on the line and at stake, um, they would definitely come out with a solution. And, you know, I'm sure it's very difficult. I Like I said, I've not been privy to any conversations. I can't imagine having to figure all that out, you know, medically, football, uh, fans, revenues. It's just, it, it's so many moving parts. Um, you know, that's luckily that's not part of my, uh, job capacity. I'd probably have less hair if that was so, uh, it's, it's going pretty good. I finally got my post COVID haircut and sad state of affairs.
3: <laughs> uh, let's go to, so we got time for a few more guys. We're going to go Harold, Nate, and then Sam to close out. Go ahead, Harold. Hey man, You're doing
4: well, man. Um, I hope dinner's good, too. I'm sure it's going to be excellent. Hey, a couple questions on a couple of your teammates. One, you kind of – LDT's been in some of these conversations, of clocks with the Players Association. Just kind of your – how he's been in the meetings and how proud you are of him as a teammate for what he's doing. And also, I know you're big into golf. How's your golf game going? And what's Patrick Mahomes' golf game like if he was actually able to get into one of these uh, events with Tiger and Phil?
5: (laughs) I would love to see Pat do that. You know, I think we saw – Golf's kind of a, a different world. I mean, you have one or two bad shots. Everyone's watching you. Um, it gets pretty nerve-wracking pretty quickly. I mean, I'm you know, mostly terrible at golf, and I like to play with people who lose as many balls as I do. And so when you're playing with, you know, literal professionals and two of at least one who's top one or two golfer of all time and another guy who's, who's up there, it's pretty intimidating. I mean, you just feel bad when these guys are ripping it down the middle and you are got to go find your ball and it takes 10 minutes to do it. So, um yeah it seems like pat's pretty good at it um you know he's a super competitive dude and i know he's gotten into the golf world and so uh it only makes sense that that's something that you know in the, in the off time when he can um you know he, he tries his best at it. so i'd love to see him do it what was the beginning of the the question
4: proud you are uh, LDT oh, like, out, yeah. you are, uh, yeah yeah i and mean
5: he's, the he's, he's like literally helping people uh you know work on a going back here, not doing too much. I mean, I did that all on challenge thing. And, you know, we helped raise some money for it. But, you know, that's still not me, you know, physically helping people and, you know, being in kind of the hospital ecosystem. You know, that was the re- the, the reason for the social distancing at the beginning, because the hospitals were getting inundated. Um, you know, they're overworked, they didn't have the capacity, they didn't have the resources. And so him being in a position to be able to, you know, help out and do that. I mean, it's just it's, it's tremendous. Obviously, he's got you know, a much better grasp of the hospital and medical system than probably anyone else in the NFL from the player perspective. So bringing him in as a resource to really understand, you know, kind of how those things work and how they run, Uh, obviously smart of the league. And, you know, it's super cool that, you know, we have a a chief who's doing that.
0: Okay, Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate.
5: Hey, good to see you, Mitch. Uh, I have two questions for
6: you. Uh, The first one being a lot of guys have, you know, said in the past – Uh, how much they value and respect your perspective of the offense, um, given, you know, just your stature in the league. Um, Andy Reid and some of the other coaches have said that they've given players the capability to sort of do an install or to, you know, speak to uh, the entire group in a Zoom meeting than just, you know, head coach or assistant coach. I I was just wondering if you've been given that opportunity, and if not what that's been like to watch your teammates kind of uh, teach you guys as you go along this uh, remote offseason program, and then secondly, um, you know, the Chiefs drafted Lucas Niang in the third round. Uh, I know he played tackle in college. There's been some discussion that maybe he'll slide down the guard to maybe start his NFL career. Just what have you learned about him and what's it been like to sort of teach him the offense uh, based on what you saw from him in college?
5: Yeah, so the first question, I think, you know, maybe does the skill guys kind of do that more in, in their room in the O-line we tend to meet with the whole offense for kind of just our part and then we bounce. So uh, having me up there, you know, installing run plays and talking to 15 guys when there's, you know, 50 in the room, uh, probably not the greatest use of our time. So we do that in the O-line room, you know, Coach Egg and Coach Mate do a good job of keeping things interactive. And, And especially in this format, you know, the hardest part is you don't, Really get to see the reactions and the um, get to hear kind of the laughs and the chuckles because you know we're all muted and when those guys are showing their film, they only get to see what's on the screen. They don't get to see us, and so they can't even see our reaction. So um, you know that, that's been the hard part. But they're keeping it interactive. You know, we do not really test stuff, but hey, you know, let's put up a play. You know, Mitch, this is the play. Can you talk us through it? You know, usually they have a good sense of you know putting something up that. <clears throat> maybe needs to be talked through a little bit more than a traditional play so you know hey talk through your specific job on this one um because in this look like this defender might do that and you just kind of know that and that's something to kind of mind tap the rookies on and then yeah lucas has been awesome I mean, all the rookies they seem like they're picking the stuff up fast i mean like i said coach I keeps it interactive so he's always asking questions and you know making sure we're on top of things and um it's been, it's been really uh, impressive to see them get all the answers mostly right. And, um, you know, they've, they've got a good sense for it. I mean, I think that's kind of one of the, the ethos things from, you know, Veach and Coach Reed, you know, bringing guys in that are smart and successful. And you don't have to, like, coach the work ethic or the, you know, kind of the, the, the simple stuff you Bring the right guys in. You trust them, and so these guys are smart. It seems like they get it. I mean, it'll be fun to you know work with them Once we get on the field, that's always kind of the fun part for me. Is you know kind of being able to you know do some of the little coaching, mentor stuff, and just making guys. You know, that was I mean, not to get off track too much, but that was really fun with the XFL. Being able to you know watch guys that you played with that um, you know moved on, and so now you could see you know like pace and uh, guys like that who are playing and just kind of keep up with them because I mean, you spend. On a traditional offseason, you spend four or five months with these guys, you get to be really good friends with them, and you know, you always want to see them succeed. Let's
3: go to Sam to close out. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Mitch. Um, I'm wondering just how much new stuff you're learning now as far as playbook stuff, new plays, new install stuff compared to what you would normally get this time of year. Is it similar? And then, um, if not, I, obviously training camp is going to be different from a physical standpoint because of what you've missed. Is it going to be also different from that, the, the former standpoint, the mental standpoint, learning new stuff standpoint,
5: uh, because of what you've missed? Yeah, I mean, obviously I can't tell you what, if any, new stuff we have. But, uh, well, I, I, of, I, don't, I don't need this specific. <laughs> no, no I, I know what you're asking. So in terms of like the typical offseason, there's phase one, phase two, phase three, and then mandatory mini camp. So all those you kind of restart and you basically start kind of installation from scratch. Um, And then, you know, with phase two OTAs and minicamp, you're then able to walk through and practice those. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, that's the thing that you're missing out on. So all the virtual meetings are essentially what we'd be doing in the building anyway. I mean, it's like the same time frame of meetings. We're able to cover the same stuff. The difference is you're not able to go through the physical aspect of, you know, getting the muscle memory for that play. And then you're also not able to watch the film of it. And that's another big thing is, you know, you're always learning through other players. You know, that's, you know, a big kind of cliche in coach speak, but it's true. Like if, you know, Coach Heck is talking to me about something that applies to anyone who would play that position. And really sometimes it applies to every single spot anyway, when we're talking about, you know, the body position and, you know, all those things. And so I think that's, going to be the hardest thing to, to kind of catch up on. I mean, you can uh, install something for the fourth time. And like I said, I mean, guys learn so differently that for a guy who really needs to play, feel the plays, walk them through, um, a fourth install is essentially the same as a first install. And that's, that's you know, the I'd say the big worry in terms of learning the playbook and, you know, learning new stuff. Um, in terms of physical perspective, I mean, yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I know our – you know, training staff and Rick and those guys, they always, and Barry, you know, they have worked together. They have a really good idea of, you know, what they want to do. I mean, they've been through it with the lockout in terms of having to start camp and be smart about it. Like I said, I mean, the change of direction stuff and you know, the ramping up of what you would normally do. I know it changed a little bit with the CBA. I think you have maybe two more days before you can put pads on, but I know they have a plan to, you know, quote unquote ease us into things to make sure um you know we're not particularly at risk and then it's also I mean this is our job so we're probably gonna have a conditioning test when we show up you know we have to be in good shape um you know the onus is on us too I mean if you show up out of shape um you know it kind of shows that maybe you don't you know haven't been put in the work it's not as important to you um you have to be in good shape to kind of do that ramble process you can't really show up you know kind of middling shape go through four days or whatever and then expect to to practice and and not get hurt and so uh huge onus on us to you know do our part in
0: the off season as well that'll do it for today and this week thanks to our production staff of derek donovan savannah smith randy mason beth welsh jeff rosen and chris fickett a tip of the cap to all of our guests this week you heard from vahe gregorian sam mellinger pete gradoff jesse newell kevis robinette and Drew Davison of the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Thanks, everybody. Links to the stories about the Chiefs can be found in the show notes and always on the Red Zone Extra app. Hey, earlier in the episode, you heard me talk about the Sports Pass offer. It still stands, and it's a good one. 30 bucks for a year's worth of sports coverage, and that includes the Sports Extra on the E-Edition. There are 25 additional pages of national sports coverage today, including five pages of Agate. Here's an even better offer. Buy the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues plus additional news, sports, and business coverage. The details can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. That's account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC thanks for listening